fans and welcome to the big blue box podcast my name's gary my name's adam and welcome to episode 370 fans i hope you're all keeping well and safe we hope you've had a fantastic new year and you've seen in the new year into 2023 it's our first ep back from our wee little break we hope you've had uh you hope you've done something doctor who Uh, we've got some cool doctor who merch as well we always ask that question did you get anything cool for christmas that's doctor who related I can answer yes to that this year. Whoa, what'd you get? Oh, my family pulled it? out all the stops this year. <laughs> Doctor no. Who socks. Doctor Who slippers. Nope. No. Nope. What could it be? So my sister, she she got me, uh, I said to her, don't spend a lot. And she went, well, too late because I've already oh. spent big time. I'm like, oh, Ooh. okay. So <clears> I was <throat> unwrapping it. I was like, okay, this is awesome. Doctor Who wall calendar. <laughs> right for 2023 that's, hand- that's handy the official one. Oh, it's the official one oh that's yeah. good yeah so she spent big time because it's the official one and that was it that was the extent of my doctor who <laughs> presence over crimbo did you get anything who related i did actually I, uh, did. I don't normally get who related stuff because uh i think people just assume i've got everything and they don't know what to get me but mm-hmm. i did get so dot who related uh, this year it was the ps4 game playstation game uh edge of reality and lonely assassin i think it's like a jewel oh pack. yeah yeah um i mean i know uh, you know that i'm not really a gamer i'm just I don't know, I'm just not really good at computer games at all. But I was quite excited to get it. I remember we we downloaded the VR version, the virtual reality version of the Edge of... I think it was called something else, Edge of Reality, like a year ago. And it was just so buggy and I couldn't play it. I was just, you know, you you put the headset on and you have to grab stuff with a hand. And I was just getting so frustrated. And I gave it to my other half. I, I got... I'm so I get bored of games really quickly. If I can't do them, they they just sit there gathering dust. So <laughs> ten minutes in, the headset's off. I passed over. I was like, I can't do this, and um, and my other half couldn't do it either. And we decided it was you know a waste of time. And uh, so this is the same game, but obviously it's not the VR version, and it's a lot easier to control with a real controller. Plus, they've changed it so this edition's got uh, the 10th doctor in it as well as the 30th doctor i think they like updated it so it's like a newer version and i've actually i'm quite pleased with myself because i've actually got to like level six can you level six gary i know i got i didn't even get past level two before so i'm rocking and rolling and i'm quite enjoying it actually um as i said i'm not a big gamer but i'm I'm quite enjoying playing that uh, now i've got into it a bit but even that it's um got bits that are a bit tricky um <laughs> so there was a bit where i i couldn't you have to sort of rearrange these um cylinders in a wall and i was like i couldn't pick them up for some reason like it, it would say grab 
but it wouldn't grab the ones I needed to move, and like, it was driving me nuts. And um, my partner was like, "It's it's buggy. It's it's got bugs. It's not working." It wasn't that at all. It's that you you had to find about five other of these things in in a different rooms, which were, I hadn't found. And I was mm-hmm. like, "Ah, oh, now it makes sense. Now I can grab it." So um, yeah, so yeah, now I've worked it out. It's pretty cool. So that was my little Doctor Whoey thing for nice. for Christmas, which was quite nice. Yeah, I don't don't didn't get anything else. I don't think. Um, yeah. We, uh, I wanted the Doctor Who beanie. My mum was going to get me, the, you know, they've done the, the beanie hat with the new diamond logo on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But it's sold out. My mum was like, oh, I tried to get you that. And I was like, oh, I would have loved it. But, um, yeah, so I've I've back-ordered that with good old FP. But, um, yeah, apart from that, I didn't get much else. I can't believe Christmas and New Year's over already, mate, can you? Flew by, it's just like, it? It goes yeah. by in a blur, doesn't it? Crazy, did, yeah. Did you miss... Um, did you miss having no Doctor Who over Christmas? Because I'm going to be honest with you, I did. I kind of felt that gap uh, this year. I felt it a lot this year, mate, for a couple of mm. reasons. So if any any listener that's listened to our show for more than a, two or three years will know that um, well, we take a couple of weeks off over Crimbo in a year, but me and my family, we normally travel over to um, over to usually the States or, or to, to Canada for Christmas. That's our Christmas break. Nine times out of ten whatever channel they have over there that's like the equivalent of the sci-fi channel or something they'll do a they'll have the doctor who special on or they'll do some mm. kind of um big doctor who marathon or something like that there was nothing this year i didn't see one episode of doctor who on the because normally um because it's a city break we do lots of walking and stuff so inevitably we're knackered <laughs> um mm. in the afternoon so we're normally just chilling out in a hotel room for a couple of hours whatever and I always seem to stumble across just some very cool Doctor Who stuff. They're either doing a um, like a rewatch from Eccleston right through leading up to the Christmas special or the festive one, whatever's on, um, or they're just doing like random whatever. But I didn't see any of it. And then when we got home, uh, just before New Year, there was obviously no Doctor Who for New Year this year, and it just it felt very empty. Because although mm. we've complained, you know, not complained, but we've been like, yeah, we'd prefer Doctor Who to be on at Christmas. At least if it's not on at Christmas, you have that. Oh, okay, well, it's on at, It's on next week for New Year, so we'll be fine. So yeah. you didn't even have that this year. So yeah, it did. I'm, I'm with you on that one. It did feel a little bit, a bit Doctor Who light. Mm. Yeah. We did get one treat, though. Are, are we going to talk about this in the waffle, or we're not doing this as news, are we? The uh, trailer. Yeah, but it's all about the trailer, dude, because um, that yeah. dropped, didn't it, uh, over the, the Yuletide. And, dude, it's a sweet trailer. Do you like it's the trailer? It's great. Yeah. It's a great trailer. I've watched it a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do keep playing it. It's the music and everything. It just really gets me, even though I've seen it a few times now, it just really gets me pumped up and... You know, I'm so looking forward to it. It's, um, do, 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 you know, that theme they've mm. got. I, I, I feel it might get a little bit like the Matt Smith <laughs> theme, that it was so good the first few times you hear it, but you, we might be sick of it by this time, uh, by the time the, the episode drops in November. But, yeah, it's a great trailer, isn't it? So it's just loads. It's just fun. It just looks so fun. Yeah, it does. And it also, um, yeah, there's something about... We'll have to dive into this, but when when mm. we review the episodes when they're out later on this year, but there's something about the Chibnall era of Doctor Who. How do I explain? How how do I? Come on, Gary. How how do you vocalise what you're thinking here? So, with the Chibnall era, it's I think Doctor Who. That's the best it's ever looked in terms of 
the the visual quality right like the mm-hmm. how cinematic it looks and how how awesome it looks yeah this the trailer for the new stuff that's coming up it also looks amazing obviously but there's something about um the cinematography i think uh, just the way it's framed and the way it's lit mm. that just looks like it's another step up because with the chibnall stuff we had some really strange um had some really strange uh cinematography again i suppose across a lot of the episodes and some really weird design decisions and what i mean by that is you would have some episodes where at the start of it you'd have text that fills up the entire screen like huge great letters do you remember that mm. on, yes, I think, yeah, on one of the episodes yeah. and then like a few episodes down the line it'd be they'd change it again and the text would look different and stuff like mm. that and um apart from the tardis interior which was always really dark and and everything um all of the episodes looked really inconsistent from episode to episode you could tell that when they went abroad to film it was like a whole different you know bunch of equipment it looked like anyway mm. so i don't know what it is but it feels like the producers i don't I, I don't know if it's russell solely but you can tell that just from watching this trailer that every single shot has been storyboarded and meticulously look it all looks like one big feature film mm. and we're assuming that a lot of these scenes are all cut from different um episodes this is not just one episode um but it just looks fantastic doesn't it like even like the outdoor shots where the doctor's outside and in the street and there's loads of stuff going on and he's running around yeah even Mm -hmm. to nighttime shots where it's like out in a street with just street lights on and i don't know the way it's framed it just looks different i know that's obvious anyway because it's a whole new production company and a whole Mm, new thing and all that so i know that's obvious but yeah i don't know it just looks like it's going to compete with the the other big shows on Disney Plus and stuff. Mm. It looks amazing. It really yeah. does. As a trailer, it's, it's it's for me. It's got it all. It, it it just it's got aliens. It's got action. It's got explosions. You know, it's got comedy. The bit where Donna's mum's trying to hide the Doctor. <laughs> it's just for. I think it's only about thirty seconds, and it? it's quite. It's actually quite a short little teaser trailer, but. It's just got everything I need to just make me so excited, you know. And I don't want to get carried away because that's the thing, you know. If you I don't want to be sat there thinking, "Oh, this is not as good as I hoped," or you know. But as trailers go, mate, it definitely does its job. And as I said, the music as well. Uh, I don't know if Murray's, but I don't know who's doing that little theme that they keep using. But it's, it's, it's awesome. That it's really sort of, you know, builds the excitement. So yeah, it's a great little trailer. And I thought it was so nice that Russell. You know, as a thought, sat down and actually thought, we we can't deliver a special this year. There's no way we've got time to deliver it. So let's give them a little treat for Christmas Day. I mean, just to even like put this together in time for Christmas Day, and it is that it's as simple as that, isn't it? I mean, there's no re- other reason that he would do this other to try and give the fans something on Christmas Day because we haven't got anything else. You know, I just think it's. I, I said to you before we started recording, I'm absolutely blown away by. Um, how much Russell has managed to do in just the last couple of months to build the excitement um, 
for his era. It's just, mm-hmm. it's incredible. And I, as usual, there is a small corner of fandom moaning saying, oh, it's too soon for a trailer. What is Russell thinking? Giving it all away. I'm like, like Russell T. Davis doesn't know what he's doing. Like he's just thought, <laughs> he's woke up on Christmas Eve and thought, oh, I think I might just get on Movie Maker and bang together a trailer <laughs> for tomorrow and give it all. Like he doesn't know what he's doing. He's, he's so, so far, he's so meticulously planned out every, you know, all these little breadcrumbs that he's been dropping and stuff to just to keep us invested in the show. Because let's face it, we've got a bit of a break now. Mm. You know, there's, there's a bit of a wait. Uh, although time goes quick and it will soon roll around we have got quite a wait to these episode airs but I, I totally think like he said himself you know i haven't even scratched the surface yet I'm, i've held so much back you know so those people that are moaning that he's he's doing stuff too soon you know just jump get on the boat because you know <laughs> enjoy it for goodness sake it's it's great what's um the buzz around doctor who at the moment you yeah know? yeah it is and uh the the that our new, uh, sorry, our new, our returning stars look really good as well. So Mr. Tennant mm, yeah. looks fantastic. He doesn't seem to. I know he says it in a lot of interviews, and he he moans about it that he thinks he's aging. <laughs> he always mm. says that, but he looks really, really do, yeah. good. He looks just like the doctor. I mean, there's a you know a couple of little more wrinkles around the eyes and stuff, but other than that, I mean, um, they all look really good. And um, and Catherine Tate, she looks exactly the same. Yeah. when we left her before she looks really good and yeah and um sylvie her mum looks really good the aliens look really good yeah there's they one do partic- look cool don't they yeah, yeah, yeah there's one particular little monster he's a little white furry monster with big eyes it looks like something straight out of a lucas film like a star wars type of <laughs> uh, thing looks really good and we got these big bug like uh aliens that are walking around you know they've got like typical little antennas and big red eyes that like you know bugs like walking ants or something yeah uh so yeah it all looks um really good i don't know if it's been confirmed but the little fight white furry thing that you were referring to i don't know if it's been confirmed or not but everyone's saying that's uh beep the meep who was a character from uh, he appeared in like the dot two comic strip oh back in i think it was like Oh, years ago in like one of the fourth doctor comic strips in doctor who mag so that's interesting that mm. they're bringing a character in from the you know from the comic strip which is cool i know big finish did an audio about about that character um not so long ago but yeah it get it just looks great and you just mentioned Catherine tate as well just her delivery and acting just gets me i don't know she mm. manages to somehow she's got such warmth to her character so even in those short clips you know, I'm just already loving Donna being back, if you know what I mean. Like, she mustn't remember. Yeah. And I'm like, no, she mustn't remember. Yeah. If they, they yeah, it's, oh, I just can't wait. There's yeah. a shot of Tennant in these new glasses as well, which um, I don't know why I just love that shot. <clears throat> I just love the look because he looks a bit angry, sort of, you know, the shot I mean, he sort of yep. turns to camera and he's got these sort of roundish glasses on and he just looks so cool. I'm like, oh, it's just so good to see him back. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at that scene. I'm watching the trailer at the minute as we're talking. Yeah. And um, yeah, the only thing that's different about him is his hair color. He's got this weird, I say weird. Uh, he's got this kind of weird orangey red tint through his hair. But, oh, right. I hadn't noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Other than that, though. Uh, he does look pretty much, pretty much bang on, so yeah. as we saw him before. And um, yeah, there's a really good shot when he's out in the street, and obviously stuff's kicking off, and we've got this new, mm. this new villain, um, 
who's played by the American actor. I forgot his name. No, was it Neil? Um, what's his name? Yeah, worldwide uh, premiere. He yeah, says, does he? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so that's really Neil Patrick Harris or something. That's like that. the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's looking good as well. So I guess the bigger, um, the bigger question though, the thing that Russell has not alluded to at all in anything, even in the trailer, mm. is the whole, the whole concept of why this Doctor is back. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's going to be the big thing, isn't it? So this doesn't air until. Uh, well, it will be for November, won't it, for the 60th special? I think so, yeah. 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 So that's we've, we have got a bit of a break, like you said. But I reckon we're probably going to see another couple of teasers out before then, Defo. I think Russell oh, will drop sure. uh, a few more things out. But it's definitely an exciting time, dude. And we've also had another little nugget drop as well. We got to see the um, the new costume for the new Doctor Shooty. And, yes, yes. Uh, and uh, the new companion, Ruby Sunday. So, what do you think to that? Because that's a, um, as expected, the doctor, the doctor's costume is always a sort of cross between smart. It's always, you know, it's it's a suit basically, but mm. sometimes they just tweak it. I think Jodie's one was probably, I think Jodie and Collins' um, costumes were probably the most far out there i would say yeah outlandish yeah. yeah so this kind of brings it back more in line with like the doctor wearing a suit but it's just got that really bright orange uh sweater underneath which is mm. a real good accent for it but he looks really cool and and um and uh and ruby she just looks um really cash and stuff so what do you reckon she's costume dude yeah, I, so I, I do like it. I wasn't sure when I first saw it. It first sort of popped up on on my Twitter feed. I, I must admit, I assumed it was a, a fan made. I didn't didn't realise it was real. <laughs> I thought, oh yeah, that's kind of all right. Um, and then yeah, I realised it was official uh, post. And at first, I was like, oh, I don't know. It's a bit basic. Like I, it was just the orange top. I wasn't sure about that. Um, right. But I think, but I think Shooty suits it. I think he carries it off. You know what I mean? I think it'll probably suit his personality and his doctor and stuff and i do love the actual um sort of suit that he's wearing you know it's like tartan isn't it or something or checkered yeah it's, it's a like, it's a check is it a tartan pattern it's kind of yeah or checked whatever but yeah, yeah it looks pretty checked, cool like yeah. i said pretty smart very mm. much back to basics and uh yeah so now i've sort of taken it in i, I do do think it suits him and I, I do like it i do hope they do like a Eccleston where they sort of you know one week he has a different color top on because I, I don't know that <laughs> bright orange is a bit bright for me <laughs> just personally I, I would like to see other tops worn with that because I think you know if he had a darker uh, top under that outfit I think it would look pretty cool um, but that's just personal preference I don't know it looks good though I'm liking it and I, as I said I definitely think it um, it'll suit him on screen yeah yeah I think it does look cool and I like the jacket I think it's the jacket that makes it different mm. from just a normal suit because it's um, uh, it's it's down to his knees basically. It's a bit longer, isn't it? And um, yeah, yeah, it does look freaky sweet. Yeah, very nice, very nice. And then not really much else has dropped other than that. We've had a few little things here and there. I think um, we're going to get some cool stories that are going to be revealed from Doctor Who magazine, which drops today, yeah, uh, Thursday the fifth of Jan. So there's apparently there's a really good. Um, a really good interview with Russell, Julie, and one of the other producers, um, Jane Tranter, so and Phil Collinson. Oh, Phil's back, isn't he? Old Phil. Oh, Phil's there. Phil's yeah. back. Yeah. So there's Phil's a back. really good interview with those four who are exec producers. 
Hmm. Uh, and they're going to discuss it's their first interview together and they're going to discuss the future of the of the series and what to expect over the next couple of years and so on and then obviously as russell's back now uh, he's going to uh, jump back in so letter from the showrunner which doc yeah. two magazine always does and apparently he's um he's going to detail uh, why he came back and how that all happened and you know his return to doctor who and stuff so yeah i think there's going to be some cool little nuggets that drop today from doctor who magazine so yeah it's all uh, like you said before we started recording bud russell's only been back for a few months right or announced mm. and has been active for a few months but already it feels like the this is the stuff that we expect to be coming out of of doctor who you know constant interviews updates trailers teasers whatever so yeah it's great it's very cool yeah i mean it's certainly nice um to have that again i mean it obviously russell's way of you know being showrunner is is very different to chris chibnall's in style um and russell seems to be much more hands-on in terms of um the promotion and 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 also his involvement with Doctor Who magazine because from what I can tell as a subscriber is uh, Chibnall whether it's because he was busy or, or whatever didn't you know he didn't really have much involvement with Doctor Who magazine I remember one of the um, people involved who, in the make of Doctor Who magazine tweeted saying you know we can't post pictures of Jodie on the front cover when we haven't been given any pictures you know we can't just take something from Google Images that doesn't belong to us and put it on our cover because you want Jodie Whittaker on the cover you know we're not getting promotional stuff so we can't put out what we haven't got and Russell seems to be doing the opposite he seems to be really getting heavily involved with Doc 2 magazine which um, as someone who's a big fan of it and has been buying it for absolutely yonks since they were a little kid um, it's just lovely to see you know it's, and it's great to see so many people um, going out and picking up Doctor Who magazine again because it's the uh, last couple of issues have sold out like literally I've because I even though I subscribe I always look for it in the shop and I, you know what I mean <laughs> I always just like to see it in the shop because magazine sales obviously have, have massively declined most people get digital now don't they so I always love to see Doctor Who mag in the shop and I can tell you mate the last couple of issues um uh, there's been literally well the last two I couldn't see at all and then there was one battered up copy uh, in the local Smiths um, recently. So it's great to see people pick it up again. And I'm, a lot of that is down to Russell and the fact he's given them stuff that people want to read. You know, they're like, oh, I need to know what's, you know, they're excited for his era and they want to want to see what he's got to say in the magazine about it. So, yeah, it's brilliant. Absolutely. Look, it's good times, isn't it? It feels like good times again. It does feel like good I times. I don't want to get yeah. carried away and be yeah. like looking through rose-tinted glasses, but certainly there's a, a buzz about Doctor Who again, not just with like fans, but... Also, there seems to be like a buzz with the media again, you know, I think like, you know, uh, a lot of big sort of media stations and stuff got very bored of Doctor Who and it was becoming a bit stale and, you know, it wasn't particularly something they wanted to report on. And yet a lot of the TV mags and stuff of even Russell posted on his Instagram have like posted pictures of David and Catherine and it's like, you know, it's not even, it's like months away and we're, we're getting coverage on the front of this magazine and stuff like that. So even even the magazines are interested in Doctor Who again. So it's really good. Really good to see. It's very cool. Yeah. yeah. It's good times. Good it times, does feel like good times. It? Yeah. Let's let it roll. Let the good times roll. I, I am wondering how he's going to sustain this uh, till November. But as I said, I have faith that Russell knows what he's doing. So Yeah, he does. He does. Yeah. 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 So I don't think there's been much else drop in terms of news for the upcoming Doctor Who stuff. I think that's roughly it in terms of news nuggets and whatnot. And mm. uh, righty, before we crack on with our review today, 
some housekeeping. The fire exits are over there, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> the meeting point is here. Indeedy, <laughs> yes. Uh, if you are a long-time listener to the Doctor Who Big Blue Box podcast, then welcome back. It's good to have you here, one of the grizzled ancients. If you are a new-time listener, if this is your first... You know what it's like with um, when we get to January? It's like new, new year, new me. I'm going to hunt down some new podcasts to listen to uh, for the new year. So if we have stumbled into your list of, of new podcasts to listen to, then it's great to have you here as well. Uh, but to everyone that's listening, uh, make sure you are subscribing and following in your preferred podcast app of choice. That way you won't miss an episode when it lands every single Friday. We put new content out every week. And you can um, also listen for free over on the website, which is bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. And while you're there, you can check out all of the reviews and articles. We have a very cool writing team. They put stuff out every week. Reviews for Big Finish and Doctor Who books and on-the-spot event reviews and, and all that stuff. It's uh, There's loads of cool stuff over there. And while you're there, there's links to the socials. We're on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. We chat Doctor Who throughout the week, so come and give us a like and a follow over there. Plus, we have a really cool free Discord server. There's a link on the website. Hop in there and chat Doctor Who with lots of other cool Doctor Who fans. Also, don't remember... Don't forget to remember to check out my co-host channel. It's over on YouTube. It's called The Geek's Handbag. Geek's Handbag. Our writer Harry loves it when you say that. <laughs> he always gets, always giggles when you say that. Uh, yes, go and check out my channel, The Geek's Handbag. Uh, lots of uh, videos on there, mainly Doctor Who related, I would say. 99% yeah, Doctor Who related. Yeah. One Star Wars video is on there uh, and uh, yeah i'm also on the socials instagram facebook and twitter and under the, the name twitter. the geeks handbag indeedy yeah so go and check out all that stuff adam's got such a cool channel honestly and i'm, I'm not just saying that because he's my co-host but before adam even jumped onto the podcast many moons ago i was watching adam's content and loved it it's very very cool so go and check it out the geeks handbag cheers all righty what we got for review this week bud yeah, so this week we're blasting back with a Tom Baker classic, and it is The Ark in Space. What's that? Membrane. Where's it from? It's almost too horrible to think about. Resistance is useless. Leave the Ark or die. <laughs> When the Wirren emerge, you will be hunted down and destroyed. If the Wirren can do that... Get back! Get back! They literally eat us alive. Those things are so venomous! We have no chance at all. The fate of all humanity might be decided within the next few hours. Touch that switch, and I'll atomize you. Dune's knowledge. It's been thoroughly digested, I'm afraid. Don't make jokes like that, Doctor. When I say I'm afraid, Sarah, I'm not making jokes. Ooh. Nice trailer, that one. It's a good line as well, isn't it, that, that end line? Yeah, for the Ark in Space. So it was first broadcast back on the 25th of January 1975. It's a four-parter, and the last part went out on the 15th of February of the same year. It was directed by Rodney Bennett, written by Robert Holmes and uncredited John Lacarotti. Uh, produced by Philip Hinchcliffe, and the synopsis is The TARDIS lands on a space station orbiting Earth in the distant future. It's seemingly deserted, but the Doctor, Sarah and Harry, 
or Hare, soon discover that they are not alone. Thousands of humans are in cryogenic sleep, and while they've slept, their ark has been invaded. A parasitic insect race, the Wirren, have taken control and threaten the very future of mankind. Ooh, so this is this is the second story in Tom Baker's run, isn't it? It's number yeah, two, right? Yeah, there. very yeah. early, Tom. Yeah. Yep. So uh, a bit of a different feel this one from the first one. So the first story, which was robots, um, just a very, very. I think one of our uh, one of our listeners who sent in a review earlier sort of nailed this, which we'll come on to later. But um, I'm interested in your thoughts on this one, Bud, because in my opinion this the the story robot still felt very pertwee-esque to me yeah, yeah and this second story really is the shift over to more that we get to see of tom's uh, era so hit us up dude what are your thoughts on the arc in space yeah well I, I definitely agree with that because i think robot having unit involved everything it did feel like the sort of tail end of the pertwee era um, whereas I think this sort of kicks in with sort of Tom's era properly. You know, they're on their first adventure in space and stuff, and you got Harry and Sarah with him on the, you know, Harry's first adventure in space. It's an unusual TARDIS team, actually, and it's one we don't get this team for long. And I think it's a, I think it's a great little team, uh, Harry, Sarah, and the Fourth Doctor. Uh, as for the Ark in Space as a story, um, it's very highly regarded, isn't it, in fandom as a one of the absolute classics, and people, you know put it up there high in their lists as one of the best um i think it's a very good story i think it's a very very good script as well it's a what i would call a classic piece of science fiction i think you know it's a really good it's got some lovely dialogue in it it's a good story the cast are good in it um as i said great tardis team i i really enjoy it i think it's a a good four part story but i will be honest i do find myself getting a bit bored at times it because it's very confined and because it's all set you know it's all studio bound it's all really you've got like three or four sets throughout the whole story for me there are moments when i find myself you know wanting it <clears throat> excuse me wanting it to sort of wrap up a little bit so they, yeah four episodes it 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 does sustain itself over those four episodes, but there are moments where I think, you know, it, it does slow down as well. But uh, overall, I think it is a, a great story um, and some really nice performances. And uh, I can see why people regard it so highly, but I don't know if it's one that if someone was to say to me, would you recommend this, as you know, to a new viewer? <clears throat> I probably wouldn't because it is quite slow paced in, in many ways especially in the middle i think the first episode's absolutely i love the first episode where the dots and harry are like you know trying to just find their way around the ship i mean it's it's just there's so many fun moments in, in episode one and then episode two they sort of freeze people when we get into the main chunk of the story but it does slow down a little bit it's it's a very talky story you know there's there's quite a lot of um exposition exposition but in a good way you know they're explaining what's going on um but yeah i wouldn't say it's one like to recommend to somebody who's you know perhaps never seen a classic episode before because i think they would find it a bit of a slog but i definitely see why people regard it so highly because i think the actual story itself is is a classic so yeah it definitely gets the thumbs up from me a thumbs up good 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 i agree with most of that dude i think um hmm. so this was like the early days right for in in the classic era for the whole robert holmes kind of 
Philip Hinchcliffe sort of era where mm. in those in those earlier seasons of, of Tom Baker's run, they were kind of known, I guess, for writing some of the more darker stuff, I guess. Yeah. You know, they're kind of known for that as a bit of a tag team, I suppose. But certainly Robert Holmes is his scripts. They're very, um, they're typically this bit of, and it suits Tom really well though, because I think some of the sense of humor is a bit sort of dry at times as well. And, Mm. um, a little bit, uh, cynical as well. Yeah. At times. And, um, you can really see that in the, like the seeds of that growing in this very early story for Tom. So I think what they're trying to do is create this more kind of, What's the the like the distinction between Pertwee's era and from this story onwards is this is very much it feels a little bit more dystopian, mm. you know, and a little bit more, uh, it's a bit more of a cynical edge to some of the stories. Whereas the with the Pertwee stuff, certainly leading up to this point, I find anyway that it's very much more typical kind of seventies James Bondy action type stories. Yeah, I get it. You yeah. know what I mean. Whereas this one is very much more like. There's a there's a colony on a planet somewhere that's been wiped out, or like in this story where the Earth has been destroyed. So the Ark serves literally as just a a place for humans to rest up until the planet's healed itself, and then they can go back and and repopulate and stuff. So I really love this this part of Doctor Who's where it kind of shifts over from being sort of more um, unbeknownst to them at the time, the more getting rid of the more cheesier side of science fiction, if that makes sense. And mm-hmm. it just feels like it's a bit more of a mature shift. And you can really see that in this story. So I, I really love the the vibe of this story. And a lot of people will say that it's a bit empty in places. And I think that's probably why it's it comes across as a bit boring, I suppose, especially mm. in parts two and three. Yeah, It does come across as a little bit like, uh, could this be a cracking two-parter? probably could mm-hmm. um is there much going on in three and uh, in two and three uh a little bit but nothing <laughs> yeah no, nothing groundbreaking so you know i totally see that but more than anything i just love the feel of this story dude and the and the vibe it's um yeah you do get some carryover in terms of the happy-go-lucky like especially with sarah jane and mm. you know that kind of thing and harry's very much wide-eyed and like what's going on like have we yeah. really traveled you know he's quite funny isn't he yeah. I think, yeah so i think the companions more than anything serve to serve to bring a little bit of um sort of humor i guess in places and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that but overall dude it's a thumbs up but it just feels like we've it's a really you can just you can see it a mile off it's a real night and day shift um from this point on in the classic era which is cool um we will talk uh, yeah we'll talk about that in a in a bit about the uh the budget for this uh which was um (laughs) which is seems like it's they spent the budget on some things but on other things you can tell it's like crap we've run out we've literally run out of money we've spent it all on that blooming set yeah Yeah. has anybody got any bubble wrap has anyone moved house recently because has anyone got an old sleeping bag we could put some (laughs) bubble wrap around Um, yeah so that's Mm. the uh that that stuff has got a lovely charm to it and stuff we come Mm. on to but in terms of story dude um it's fairly simple right there's there's nothing again there's nothing crazy going on with this like we've seen this this story played out 
so many times, not in Doctor mm-hmm. Who, but across across sci-fi and stuff, where the, the Earth's just been been uh, destroyed for whatever reason, whether it's natural causes or you know war, whatever it might be. So, um, you know, the human race is just hiding out in this thing, very aptly called the Ark. And how coincidental that the the top <laughs> dude, the commander, happens to be called Noah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's, on the nose. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, if anybody was going to write anything on the nose, then, then yeah. yeah. So what about the story, dude? Because I think the story is not one of the things that drives this. You know, with some episodes, it's like, especially when you don't reveal the baddie until later on, or mm. um, or you have some cliffhangers or twists that go on, the story can can drive what's going on. But for me, it's more just the, supposed to be, I think anyway, just the... Um, is it an under siege story? Would you say it kind of is? It's more the characters for me. Yeah, that I was going to say it's more about the characters. It's a, definitely a character piece, isn't mm. it? So, what do you think to the characters in terms of um, driving this story? Because there's really not many cast members, so you have right. to rely on just a couple of key outside of just the Doctor and the companions. You have to rely on just a couple of key people, really, and that's really Noah and Vera, right? Yeah. So what do you reckon to those guys then as we push through the four parts? Because that got a little bit slow as well. Yeah, it, it did. I mean, that's the thing. I think this whole story is um, it's a good storyline, but I think it is a little bit stretched over four <clears throat> episodes. I think the thing is, because it is a small cast, um, thankfully they're good. I, I think that's the thing. If the if the actors weren't playing their part particularly well, I think this this could be a different story. It could be a really hard going, because um, like you said, it is a bit slow in places. Um, but considering it is a small cast, I think that, that cast actually work well together. And... Um, I think there are. I think all the the script itself has some lovely dialogue. I mean, I think there's some great moments between, like the Doctor Harry and Sarah. Um, uh, there's a there's a great line where the Doctor's giving Harry praise for being more intelligent, and then he he completely um, takes it away from him by saying, "But you mustn't give yourself any credit. It's all my influence and all this sort of thing." And it's a nice early characterization of the Fourth Doctor because I don't know about you, but Tom. Tom feels very different in season 12, his first season. I mean, you, you probably would expect that because, it's, you know, it's his first season, he's trying to find his feet. But overall, I mean, I guess they haven't quite worked out how to write him yet. Um, he's still figuring out how to play him. Um, he's, his voice is a bit different. I think he's doing that. He's doing a little bit of that sort of BBC posh voice, uh, a little bit. <laughs> and I think that just gradually mm. fades out um, into the, you know, the Tom Baker voice that we know and love. But he sounds a little bit different in, in this story and in, in this season. Um, but there are still lovely bits of dialogue uh, for the fourth Doctor that are thrown in by Robert Holmes. But just getting back to what you're saying about the cast and the actual story, though, um, I think what why it works well is because the cast are good and also the atmosphere of this story. It's got a great atmosphere. Um, like you said, even the moments when it's a little bit slow, there's still this sort of underlying threat and the fact that Noah is transforming into a bubble wrap beast, you know, um, it's it, the, although it's sort of, you know, quite comical, it, there is this dark undertone to it. And uh, there's a definite shift, you're right, from the previous story, Robot, you know, in terms of the uh, feel of the episode, feel of the story, this is definitely darker, and that's that is definitely Philip Hinchcliffe coming in and saying, you know, he, he definitely wanted to give it a more um, uh, mature 
edge. You know, he wanted it to have more of a sort of science fiction, slightly horror vibe to it. You know, Doctor Who, not horror, but he wanted it to be more adults as well, more family viewing than sort of a children's program. And you can definitely feel that coming in from from this story. There is a, and in, interestingly, there is a quite a severe edit in episode two. I think it is. You know, when Noah's just starting to transform and he's got his hand in bubble wrap and the doctor and vera meet him in the doorway oh yeah. and there is this yep. strange edit where his gun just suddenly drops to the floor and he's suddenly gone the door's shut um and that's because they cut out uh, a scene where noah was basically begging the doctor and vera to shoot him and he's like kill me it's taking over kill me and they, they were watching it saying this is like we want to push the limits but this is, is taking it too far i think you know having somebody beg to be you know, put out of their misery. It's a bit too far. So that's why there's that strange edit where the Doctor and Vera are sort of talking to him when he's first starting to transform and then just suddenly his gun drops on the floor and it's, it is a bit like, what happened there? But mm. that, that's why. So they are definitely going for that more science fiction, darker edge. But I think even there, they knew where the limit was, which is good to know, really. It's good that they were considering that. Um, what was I watching recently where they were talking about skeleton ah oh. uh, i was watching something recently where they were talking about a visual effect of a skeleton that melted and um the doctor i think it was pat trouton yes it was one of the pat trouton ones pat trouton said like you can't show that you know you, that's going too far like we want it to be you know we want it to be like taken seriously but you're pushing the boundaries there by showing that shot and um yeah, so it's always good, you know, when the actors know their audience and the director and particularly Philip Hinchcliffe, I think he knew where the boundary was in terms of horror uh, and uh, science fiction. So, yeah, but I think overall it's got a great atmosphere, this story, even in the slower bits. Yeah. You know, it does. I can, I can happily watch it. I, I do think it's, uh, you know, it is a good story. Even, even when I'm getting a little bit bored, I sort of know that there's a good bit coming around the corner, if you like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, totally. It's... um. I think the cliffhangers are pretty good. That that does provide a little bit of a um yeah, I want to watch the next one because I watched this mm. two and two. I don't know about you, but um Yes, two and two, and I think that is perfect actually. If I'd have watched mm. all four in one go, um <laughs> that that I think would have been hard work. But then again we've got to remember it wasn't designed to be watched in one one go. It was a you know, a weekly T V show. But yeah, two and two I think works quite well. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think um you kind of, uh, I, you knew what the ending was going to be as well, right? Because although it's, um, although it is a, a Robert Holmes script and it's, you would typically expect it to have some dark moments and so on. Mm. I, I knew that the, um, when I first watched this, I knew that the, the humans would survive, that the Wirren would be, you know, destroyed, whatever. But it's, yeah. it, it's kind of dark though, how, how the Wirren are destroyed at the end, because, um or the scene that you mentioned that was cut where noah was like just kill me i'm you know i'm being overridden by mm. or overtaken sorry by um by the parasite it, it's him that leads them all into the ship at the end knowing that they're going to blow it up yeah. so it does kind of still have that darker uh tone a little bit to it which is very cool mm. um but you you kind of knew and you knew that the humans would survive but you also feel a little bit sorry for vera because she mentions early on i think it's episode three at the beginning that noah was her everyone's been paired so that when they go back to earth everyone's got you know a, 
a partner that they can start, you know, procreation and all that. So you can tell that she genuinely liked him, though. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't know about you, but just my luck, I'd be paired with some, you know, here we go. <laughs> I've only just woke up out of cryo sleep and I'm getting earache, you know, I'd be paired with you. Know. So, but you can tell that she's, that she's genuinely gutted um, mm. and, and stuff like that. Because there's also, he's, even before they went into cryo sleep, it looks like um, he had garnered all their respect anyway. Because when they, when they wake up, some of the other dudes that are there, I think, uh, what's his name? Lysit and is it Rogin? Rogin, I think. Um, yeah. Some. Uh, immediately, they don't want to follow, they don't want to buy into the fact that he's been uh, infected with the parasite because the doctor mm. says, you know, you're going to have to deal with him. And they're like, no, we can't do that. He's our leader. You know, he's the commander. We can't do anything like that. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, so even though Noah bites the dust with the other Wirren, you can tell that the rest of them... Um, actually, no, some other people get... <laughs> it's a really funny scene, isn't there, where um, the two of them go back into the chamber where all the, all the humans are in sleep. And um, the, the, the slug the sleeping bag slug burst through the door and um instead of just legging oh, yeah. it like you would expect anyone else to do uh, <laughs> one of them is just paralyzed with fear it looks like and he's like run go on run run away <laughs> and he's like ah, ah, and it takes forever for the sleeping bag to sort of you know make <laughs> yeah, its way across <laughs> the set to the thing and by the time he gets mm. there he, he bites it but so other than they other than those guys um i think they uh I think they, but oh no, there's a sacrifice at the end, isn't there? There's a sacrifice at the end of one of the dudes that knows that. Oh yes, that's right. Because the doctor was going to do it, wasn't it? It would have been the doctor who yes. died, but someone steps in and t- pushes him out of the way and and uh, ends up getting Rogan. Yeah, he sacrifices yeah. himself because he takes the final block out, doesn't he? So yeah. that the shuttle exhaust can can do its thing. So yeah, mm. there's a sacrifice as well. But um, but we assume rightly or wrongly that they all make it back to earth after all this and um and sort everything out but they're, they're all yeah. prepared to get stuck in though aren't they i mean like the doc there's a bit where the doctor gets himself hooked up to this monitor and they're like saying you know you, your brain could fry or so like you know you sure you want to do this because you know this could be the end and the doctor's like yeah come on let's see he seems quite blasé about it doesn't he? he's come on you got to take risks and he puts mm-hmm. the old headset on and, and i'm not quite sure what was going on because he he does all that puts his life in danger <laughs> so it would seem mm-hmm. and then the rest of them get so distracted they're not even watching the monitor and i'm thinking yeah. poor doctors they're like feeding all this information to him but they're not really watching <laughs> they're not really listening <laughs> uh, which is quite funny but yeah but yeah they all get stuck in and do their thing don't they mate they you do know? they've all got a part to play i will say that the only one i think gets a little bit lost in the story which is a shame is sarah jane uh she gets uh, a couple of nice moments but a lot of the time she is either screaming, you know, which is not really a Sarah Jane, Sarah Jane thing, or she's um, just stood around. I mean, Harry, although he doesn't get much to do, does get some nice moments with the Doctor, and he's, he does add the f- sort of comedy element to the story, whereas I did feel like Sarah Jane was getting a little bit left behind. And uh, just as I wrote that note on my pad, um, she finally got something to do in episode three or four where they push her through the tunnel, oh, which yeah. does look really small, actually. I feel like she <laughs> did just get through that triangle. Um, but yeah, I feel like she gets a little bit 
left behind in this story. Uh, she doesn't get a lot to do, which is a shame because initially it's quite exciting when she sort of, um, you know, lays on the bed and gets transported somewhere else. And you're like, what's going on here? And you think, you know, she might get um, a bit more of a storyline, but it doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. No, I read you actually. I hadn't. I, I think I considered it, but just subconsciously as I was watching through it. But now you mm. say that, yeah, it's because um, she's she has she's in it quite a lot in the first episode. You know, when they first land on the station, yeah, and she passes out, and then um, they lay her on the on the transmat thing, and then the system computer transfers her off to 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 cryogenic sleep and whatnot. Mm. But then that's it, really. The other the other scenes where the doctor needs help and they're doing stuff really is with Harry yeah, that's because right, yeah. he, um, the doctor lets them know that Harry is a, a doctor himself or a surgeon, whatever. Mm. And, um, and then he helps the doctor with the electricity disco ball thing. And, oh yeah. That was fun. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, so yeah. And then like you said, the, um, the only other bit really is when she volunteers to go through the tunnel cause she mm. realizes she's just about small enough. Uh, which is kind of cool, but yeah, you're right. It's, um, yeah, she, it's unlike, cause she's very, she's normally a very, I wouldn't say fiery, but she's no, she's a, as we all know from the other stories that she's in, she's very much, uh, she's not a shrinking violet, is she at all? No. So, um, yeah, it is a bit out of, maybe this is just sort of finding her feet with new, with new writers and a new doctor and whatnot, maybe. Yeah, I think it's definitely down to that. It's just yeah. I noticed there was a couple of scenes where she cowers behind Harry or the Doctor and screams and stuff, and I thought mm. that's that's not very Sarah Jane. <laughs> like you know, when she like when the Wirren is on the floor, she's really like even though it's dead, she's really like squeamish about it, isn't she? She's like, is it is it dead? Is it definitely? Dead? And I'm thinking, you know, normally she'd be going up to it like in the later series, she'd be going up with her sonic lipstick or whatever, and you know, I don't know. It just seemed a little bit of a timid Sarah Jane in this story, but like you said, it's fairly early days for her character as well, I suppose. But yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. What do you think of the Wirren then as a as a mm. as a monster in Classic Who? Because uh, not much in the way of imagination in terms of this is a far out there alien that you would see in some classic stories more just sort of a traditional slug sort of thing insect <laughs> sort of almost yeah. almost humanoid in a way um as they sort of progress like the big fully grown one that they see early on in the story just looks like mm-hmm. it's you're like a bug that you would find on earth it's not setting the world on fire in terms of creature design in any way but in some ways, it's it, that's kind of cool though, because mm. um, it's not detracting you from from what's going on in the story. It's just uh, you know, it's just uh, it's either the larvae or the pupil, whatever, or it's the fully grown insects and stuff. Um, so it does have that classic who no budget charm to it. The stuff that's really that's really no budget is the is the bubble wrap effect, right? Yeah, that's the yeah. one that you look at and you think. Well, sort of mission accomplished, I suppose, because it gets the job done. It makes you, uh, and I guess it's down to the performance as well. So when Kenton Moore mm. takes his hand out of his pocket and it's literally just sellotape and bubble wrap that's been sprayed <laughs> green, <laughs> you you know a mile off that that's what you're looking at, but he sells it in a way that I guess. He does actually work quite hard to sell that. I will give him that. He really does. It, it does. It does smack a little bit of cheesy kind of, 
mime artist stuff you know where mm. you know the hand is almost possessed by itself and yeah. it's like he's like coming up to his face he's like pushing it back down and he's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. it, it does have some some comedy to it i guess but um the women themselves you know are, are no big complaints but no yeah no awards for kind of crazy space alien design is there no they're a funny <laughs> one aren't they i mean like i quite like the design but like you said it's um it's just that they look so rubbery. It's like the <laughs> epitome of the like the rubbery monster in Doctor Who. But it, in terms of rubbery monsters that were in Doctor Who, it actually looks quite solid and good. I don't know. I, I think they were probably quite difficult to shoot They're, because the sets are so bright as well, aren't they? Yeah, Everything's so yeah. white and and brightly lit that you you know, apart from their little dungeon room, and it's got it's got that funny eyeball thing. You know, the the <laughs> thing in the tank that made me laugh. The eyeball. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it must be difficult to shoot them, really, because, you know, it, they are a bit rubbery. I just can't think of any other way to say it. They, you know, they do look like a big rubber suit. But I quite like the design of them, if you know what I mean. They yeah, look very insecty, yeah. and there is something a bit creepy about the look of it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it, it kind of is an iconic design, I guess, in a way because of this story but you're right it's not um nothing out there but i think that's probably intentional isn't it it's just that it's supposed to look like something that could be like a um a bug like uh yeah. what's the word um parasite <laughs> exactly yeah a yeah. parasite i mean that it does look like a parasite you know uh, if, if you so that in that sense it works yeah i mean fair yeah. play to um to robert holmes and uh john lucarotti as well because um, this was absolutely an influence on Ridley Scott's Alien film because mm. um, the, the the although they don't dive into the details in this obviously, but the the premise is obviously that the um, there's an alien bug on this space station that's laid eggs inside people, mm. and they've inhabited the body and grown and then hatched out and now there's fully grown alien and stuff. That's essentially the plot for the film Alien. Um, so. It's definitely a cracking concept and story and stuff. It's just, you know, fast forward 60 years, if they'd made this story now, like if for the upcoming, imagine if Russell had wanted to make this story, it'd look mm. like it would just be amazing. But the bubble wrap thing, yeah. There was another Tom Baker story, wasn't there, where there was just this big blob, we had this kind of appendage oh. sticking out of it that looked like that was just the creature big, from the pit from the pit yeah that looked like yeah. it was just something covered in bubble wrap as well wasn't it and sprayed green and yeah and just like I, some stuffs hanging off of it yeah I, I think the only bit where the bubble wrap kind of works is you know when noah's half transformed so oh, it's yeah. gone past his arm mm. And it's just half of him. And I th I don't know what they've done to the bubble wrap, whether they've just popped it and sprayed it. <laughs> but that actually worked okay. Like, I think if it had just been like that, they might have got away with it. But, yeah, the bit with the hand, it's just so obviously bubble wrap. Mm. And the and also the giant um, sleeping bag just looks like it. I think somebody said, you know, back in the day, it was quite a new thing. And they didn't really think that you know, didn't really think ahead thinking, oh, in years to come, this will be like everywhere. I think maybe mm. it was like a quite a new thing, but it definitely shows. Um, it's just one of those things, isn't it? That unfortunately has, um, has aged uh, quite badly and quite quickly aged badly, if you know what I mean. Because yeah. the other yeah. thing is as well, when we get the voice of the prime minister, Harry is shocked, isn't he? Or makes a 
makes a joke to Sarah about the fact it's a female prime minister. He's like, oh, there you go. I'll go on one of your team or something. And uh, so it's quite ironic that only four years after this was made, I think we actually got our first female prime minister. So that already is out of date, you know, just the notion that it would be shocking that we get a female prime minister. But Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Yeah, that was um, Gladys Spencer, apparently, the high minister's voice, yeah. Ah. Uh, And he, he makes another comment as well, Harry, to Sarah about something to do with female. Uh, there's a, there's another another little conversation between the two of them and he mentions something about gender mm. uh, sex again and I think Sarah's just whether that was uh, Liz Sladen's actual face or the way it was written but she just sort of does this roll of her eyes and like oh, yeah. yeah whatever actually uh, I'm intrigued to know what you think of Harry as a companion because to me he's one of the oddest companions that we get he's very much out of time isn't he and he's very different to any other companion that we get i think um but i'm intrigued to know what whether you like harry or not as a companion and what you think of him because he he's very old school um just very of his time (laughs) time. doesn't really fit in with you know uh, with anything that's going on around him very much a fish out of water but what do you think of harry is he uh is he an outdated fossil or is he or is he fun is he charming what do you reckon yeah he's a strange one harry because I think, yeah, it's weird. I, it's it's very difficult for me to to comment on Harry as a character without sounding mean. And um, what I mean by that is he's kind of forgettable in a way mm. as a character. I think Ian Martyr does a great job of playing this kind of confused person who's. Um, I think his performance stops at just being inquisitive and that's it. Mm. So as a character, he's very much like, well, this is amazing. Like, have we really Mm. traveled this far and how far back are we doctor? And the doctor tells him, and instead of him, um, being sort of really surprised or shocked or, or perturbed by anything, he just, his, his performance always just simmers around just inquisitive and that's it. And I think Mm. because of that, uh, he's kind of forgettable like if someone said to me can you name some really cool conversations and interactions between harry and other characters i'm like oh, i can't really mm. I'm kind of stuck <laughs> mm. so i think he's cool he, he is cool but i just forget him very quickly which sounds mean but you know that's you know what about you I think I know what you're getting at. I mean, I, I like Harry, but you're right. He is a companion that I don't often think about unless I'm put on a story like this and I suddenly think, oh, yeah, Harry, forgot mm. about you. And he is, but I, I find him quite charming, but I think it's down to Ian Mark's performance because I think because of the way he's written, if, if it was a different actor, he could be quite unlikable, I think, because yeah. of some of the stuff he says, because he is very old-fashioned, isn't he? And he does come out with things that I think if, if a different actor was saying it, it might come across as a bit, um, I'm trying to think of a word that I can say on the podcast. It isn't rude. A bit of a, you know what you'd think, Oh, he's a really, you know, old fashioned, you know what? But I think Iamata brings a charm to Harry. That's sort of a naive charm that somehow gets around the stuff he's saying mm. that you think, Oh, Harry, <laughs> he's a bit, um, I just can't think of the word, but he's just got a charm to him. I think, and I yeah. think, 
I, I do like him because of that. So even when he's saying something which I think normally would be a bit annoying or a bit wrong, you just kind of like Sarah, just sort of roll your eyes and go, "Oh, that's Harry." <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's just he is just an odd, an odd um, character for Doctor Who, if you know what I mean. And I and and I like him for that. I like the fact that he's this little odd character <laughs> that goes along with the Doctor and Sarah for literally a handful of episodes, isn't it? He's not not in that many, I don't think. Yeah. Um, so I like him for that, that. He's just this sort of oddball character that jumps on board the TARDIS for a few jolly adventures and he keeps saying, old girl, and he's... <laughs> yeah, he's just, a, he's just an odd one. But I, I like him because of that. And I, it, it's surprising how snappy the Doctor is with him as well. And maybe that's why I like him, because maybe I feel a bit sorry for him at times, because... The Doctor's quite harsh with Harry, especially in that first episode, isn't he? He's like, "What did you touch?" He's like shouting at him, and mm. you know, he calls him an imbecile in in the next in you know another story. He's like, "Harry Sullivan's an imbecile," <laughs> you know. He's he's quite harsh to Harry, uh, even though there's there's obviously a, a you know quite a good there's a bit of affection between the two. You know, the Doctor obviously likes him, but but yeah, he's quite snappy with Harry, isn't he? At times, and I think maybe that makes me like him because I feel sorry for him. <laughs> yeah, he is a little bit. He's um. Yeah, he's only in what five or six stories, I think. He's the last not many full yeah. story, I think, is Terror of the Zygons. Yes, I think, I think it might be. Yeah. And then he's in, I think, the one after that, the Android Invasion. He's in it, but not all the way through. He's only in it for for a couple of episodes. But it's probably about right, though, isn't it? Because that's the thing. He hasn't. He's a nice character, but he hasn't got enough to him i don't think to be like a full-time like you know i think just having him in this short you know in this season and, and then a couple of others is, is about right it's nice to have him there but yeah, he, i don't know yeah. he's not like um trying to think who's a who's a good male companion because i can only think of good female companions off the top of my head like you know like joe grant ace he's not like a strong character like that that, that yeah. you know works well yeah. the doctor he is kind of just this character that's come in just for the ride and is finding it all very interesting but yeah. he can't sustain that for much more than a season i don't think no i agree yeah he's as not much like, as i um, like him you know yeah if we think about a companion like jamie with troughton yeah with okay, the second yeah, doctor yeah. that's very much uh um you can see exactly what jamie's motives are and why he does the things he does and and how good he is with harry i just find him and it's again it's very difficult for me to use words that don't come across as mean i don't mean them to mm. but i just find him a little bit generic mm. you know i think like they try to put a little bit of ian in there at times you know and they try to write him as a little bit of i don't know yeah he's 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 cool though don't get me wrong he's cool he's just easily if he'd have been in it more it had just been constantly like pushing the wrong button and they would have made him i think the sort of fool character wouldn't they yeah, it's like oh what yeah. did you do this time harry like what have you pressed <laughs> this time harry you know it become a bit like that and you'd yeah it'd be a bit of a shame because it is in the stories he, he's in he's he's just charming i think yeah no agreed yeah. yeah what do you think to um as to tom baker then as, as the doctor in this one because mm. as we mentioned at the beginning um a, a definite shift now from here on versus robot and the Pertwee stuff. Yeah. Um, it's hard to pin down Tom's thoughts as he was filming this, I find, this story, because he's very cool, but we don't have any moments where he loses his, his beep or mm. he's got... There's only a couple of scenes where he's got that massive, big, beaming smile 
the rest of the time he's very much just i don't know he's almost like he's at at 90 percent for most of the story Mm. i don't know how you feel about that but um he's very cool don't get me wrong you can tell that as is just i don't know when they film this one in terms of production blocks but just as the second story yeah he uh absolutely like out of the traps flying as as we all know but i don't know there's just something like i just described as harry as a character which is a little bit forgettable and generic i find that with tom's performance in this Mm. like when i when was the last time i watched this probably i don't know three years ago i'm guessing off the top of my head probably longer before i re-watched it this week i couldn't think of a scene with the doctor in this one where i thought oh yeah that's quintessential tom baker Mm. do you know what i mean it's i could i was struggling to think of a scene because when we discussed it before we um, recorded and broke up for christmas and new year we're like oh yeah let's do let's come back and do the ark in space as soon as we Mm. mentioned it i'm like the ark in space what happens in that Mm. i know the bugs i know the bubble wrap you know i know the space station but i couldn't remember like a standout scene or something with tom so he's good but there's just not that cheeky twinkly spark of tom for me Mm. you might disagree but yeah i I, yeah i don't know i i think i know what you're getting at i for me he just feels very different from the tom that we get um even in the next season um and uh, yeah it is hard to sort of pinpoint what it is because he's still got that intensity you know, and there are moments when his eyes are like bulging, but there's no, yeah, that sort of, um, it feels like a more intense version of the fourth doctor than we get. Like you said, there's no moment where he's losing his rag, which the fourth doctor often did. There's no moment where he's shouting at the aliens and standing up to them and giving that sort of fourth doctor, you know, roar or anything like that. Um, Mm. there's a few nice lines, but the sort of eccentricity of the fourth doctors, um, not as, uh, evident as it is later on that's true so yeah yeah but it's i think it's a, i i kind of like it because it is different but um i also feel like i like the fact the doctor's so clever in this story like every situation they come up against he's just using his intelligence to find an answer to it and i love that and i always love it when any doctor does that because i like the doctor to be intelligent i you know it's all I like the fact that Doctor has a bravado and he puts up this front that he's all fun and zany. But underneath it all, I like to think the Doctor's actually very intelligent. He's been around a long time and he's got great knowledge. And I love it when the Doctor uses that knowledge, you know. Yeah, so I, I, that's yeah. one of the things I love about this story is, is the fact that Doctor's zooming around just finding practical ways to deal with every situation. Um, but yes, it does. It feels miles away from sort of the Doctor that we get even a few a few seasons later you know i mean in, let alone season 18 when tom leaves which is a very different doctor brooding <laughs> mm-hmm. quite angry you know it's a totally different doctor um and you'd expect that because it's his first season but it, i can still see the fourth doctor at the core of it do you know what i mean i can still see those elements yeah, that yeah. we're gonna see more of later but it definitely has a different feel to it and also as i said like the way he's talking and stuff it, it, it you know, as was very much done back in that day, everyone was sort of told to use that typical. What did they used to call it? Like the 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 
BBC sort of voice, you know. I don't know. There was a, there was a term for it back then, wasn't there? That oh, if ever you, you hear like Janet yeah. Fielding on a talk show in the eighties <laughs> talking about Doctor Who, she's talking very posh because that's how everybody was sort of mm-hmm. told to talk back then, or, or that's how everybody thought they had to speak. And there is an element to the way Tom's speaking in this that has that. I feel. You know, um, but yeah, there's still he's still quintessentially the fourth doctor in this. I love the stuff with the yo-yo, for example, where he's <laughs> using it as a gravity, you know, to, <laughs> to test the gravity and stuff. So I still think it's great performance, but I know what you mean. It's very different. It's not quite the fourth doctor that we were expecting. <laughs> if, you like, <laughs> if you're used to the fourth doctor, he definitely has a different vibe to him in this in this series. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. I think there's um in series in his first series, I think the standout story being Genesis of the Daleks. I think we do see a lot of future Tom in that story, which is only a couple of stories on. Um, but for me, it's not until he settles down in the middle of the following season, which is like Planet of Evil, Pyramid of Mars. That's yeah. when he starts to really, in my opinion, um, take off. You know, that's his, that's, uh, that's what I notice. Is and if I'm doing a rewatch, that's when I get, when I get to, um, Pyramid of Mars, especially, and then through like Brain of Morbius, Seeds of Doom, all those things. That that's mm. when it's like he's really starting to take flight there. So he's not bad at all. I'm not saying he's he's bad in this at all, but um, yeah, I just I struggle to remember any any cool scenes. There's a couple of cool lines, like you said, but the, the delivery yeah. is different. I mean, I I didn't write it down, but there's a there was a line that he said. Um, I'm going to try and make this make sense. There was a there was a line or a couple of lines that he said that I thought he would he deliver he would deliver that differently uh, later on. Mm. Uh, I, I don't know if that makes sense, but so you know Tom would often go ah is it now and he would sort of say it in a certain way and he he often had that sort of way of delivering the line and there was something in this where I thought that's interesting because if he was saying that same line in the next season he would he would do it differently if that makes sense so yeah totally yeah i can't quite pinpoint it but i hope listeners know what i'm trying to get at there are definitely lines in this where i think the delivery and i don't know if it's the way he's speaking or just the way he's saying the line but he is not in the same way that tom baker normally delivers it if you like it's not Mm. so over the top it feels a little bit more um sort of delivered straight if that makes sense rather than putting the tom baker spin (laughs) on it that makes sense yeah totally yeah but he's he's great though still he's, yeah he's i think great. he's strong in it yeah. yeah and it's interesting to see him different if you know what i mean i always love that with early early seasons with each doctor because they definitely feel different you know you think of mccoy how different he was mm. you know to, to to season 26 and and uh, stuff like that so yeah, it's always interesting yeah that makes sense dude and lastly i know we mentioned her a couple of times very quickly but um what do you think to wendy williams then as vera because she's the She's the driving force for the humans in this story. Once Noah gets his ass kicked by the bubble wrap, so it's down to, yeah. to Vera really to uh, to do the thing. So um, she has a couple of wobbles here and there. I think because of her feelings for Noah, but overall she was a she was a very cool character. I think um, I never watched it, but apparently Wendy Williams was a long timer in Crossroads. I think is a oh, right. soap here in the UK that went on. For, it's, it's not going anymore, is it? Crossroads. No, I have no idea. No. no, it's not been going for years. Yeah. <laughs> but apparently, she was in that. I think uh, that was what she was most known for. But uh, she was kind of cool, though. I liked her. Yeah, I, I liked her. I thought it was a good performance. I, I wasn't sure what was going on when she first came into it because she seems almost um, like robotic and very. 
she sort of sort of glides out of the cabinet. Who are you? And she's speaking very sort of weirdly. But I guess we'll just put that down to, you know, she hasn't quite unfrozen yet. Um, but yeah, I thought it was quite a nice performance. And you do feel like, like you said, when Noah's uh, doing his thing, she's obviously quite disturbed by it. And yeah, I thought it was quite a nice performance from her. And I will say just quickly as well, I did think the actor did a great job of what he was given. Um, who played Noah? What was his name? Oh, Kenton uh, Moore. Kenton Moore, yeah. yeah. I mean, as I said, very easy to overdo that sort of stuff and, and be, you know, it would be laughable, really, if he'd have um, not played it so seriously. Do you know what I mean? When, like you said, with the bubble wrap hand, he, he manages to make that look about as good as it could. You know what I mean? Like you said, you almost believe that he's struggling with it when he's bashing it on the, on the um, control panel and stuff. Mm. You know, he does a good job he, without going to OTT and when he's being taken over as well. Um, it's very easy to go over the top when you're doing that possession stuff. And, you know, I think he was good in it as well. So both of them, I think, were pre pretty good supporting cast. Yeah, agreed. Indeedy. Uh, and then lastly for me, um, uh, a pretty good uh, atmospheric score by Dudley Simpson on this one. It's a bit creepy mm. in places. Um every now and then when I put on the 50th anniversary Doctor Who soundtrack, just put it on yeah. on random play, this pops up every now and then and it's it's definitely got creepy vibes and stuff. So yeah, uh, yeah, I wasn't, there, there isn't much in the way of music per se. It's more just kind of little uh, um, ethereal kind of little bits here and there, but not too bad. Pretty good from old Dudders. Yeah, I, th <laughs> I, th I thought it was all right. I think it's D D Dudley doing his thing. I thought it was mm. pretty, pretty sweet. Um, uh, definitely suited the the story there's a nice uh i don't know if it was a, like early synth or something there was a bit of music near the beginning which sort of had this uh i don't know doodle, doodle, doodle. It's almost, almost comical did, yeah down the scales and i thought yeah. that's actually quite nice it sounds a bit different because <laughs> um, he uses a lot of woodwind instruments and stuff doesn't he dudley and um, there was just something a bit different at the start of it, which I thought, oh, that's nice. You can just imagine him in the studio, just let's give this a go. You know, what does this keyboard do? Let's try this one. So, a couple of nice bits from Dudley, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, lastly, um, uh, in Kill the Moon, uh, Capaldi also uses the yo yo to test the gravity. Oh, yes, he does, doesn't he? Nice I forgot little, about that. Nice little carryover. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, anything else on your notes, dude? Uh, no, just that. I mean, we just quickly you mentioned the budget, and I I do think the sets uh, for the most part look great for the time. You know, I do. Mm. I, I really appreciate it. they've tried to make it look like a high set with all these bodies inside, and you know, it does look pretty good. I think if you're watching that back in, is this seventy five? What year is this? Yeah, seventy four. Seventy five. Yeah. Um, I do think you'd be quite impressed uh, back in the 70s watching this uh, in terms of set and I think it still looks pretty decent now even the opening set although it's quite sparse you know when the Doctor and Harry are having a, a dance around the disco ball it looks mm -hmm. quite sparse but it does look quite good quite clinical so and the big the big bit that they walk around with all the stars outside it again you oh, now yeah. you look yeah. at it and you think well yeah it's just a cloth with some holes in it but <laughs> i think i think it does for the time look good and i think it still stands up pretty well so um i roger murray leach i think was the set designer did a lot of stuff for blake seven i think he did a, a very good job with this and it, it looks like they spent a bit of money on the set let's put it that way for they the have. time anyway yeah. yeah you can tell that a mile off yeah 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 uh roger murray leach yeah he's um yeah, very cool designer. 
Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. I've got no other um, no other uh, stuff on my notes. So let's dive into the old scores. I think it's me to go first. Uh, I'm going to give this a seven point five ah. because I think it's a very cool a very cool story. A much needed shift in tone for the show at that point after the poetry era. And um, I'm not going to go any higher than that just because um, I feel like over the four parts it does, there's just not enough substance there to, to keep it at a roaring uh, rate, if you like. The gears don't go up too much. but And otherwise, it's a little bit forgettable in a few places. But the overall concept and story I love uh, and that stuff. So, yeah, 7.5. What about you? Yeah, just slightly higher than you. I'm going to go with an 8 out of 10. Um, I agree. It. I think it's a great story. I think it's slightly stretched over the four episodes. There are definitely moments when it um, slows down a little bit uh, in pace. Um, but I think the cast keep it going. And I, I do get why people regard it as a classic. Uh, it's definitely got some elements to it, which I think are a pretty classic who. Mm. So, yeah, I'll go for an 8 out of 10. Yeah, same. It's definitely got that classic, and it's a, um, it's just a really nice old school British bit of science fiction as well. You know, it's got yes. that. Yeah, now that we're back in space and we've got aliens and monsters and stuff, it, it, it definitely feels very cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, dokie. So a seven point five from me and eight from him. What did our listeners think over on the Twitter? Will Sanger says, "I love this story. Tom Baker is already on fire, and the witty banter between him and Harry is great. The slow pace complements the first episode with a degree of suspense." And the Wirren is, an, uh, is a very interesting threat with engaging stakes considering the survival of humanity. Mm. Very true. Chippy T says, uh, I like this concept of a life form invading a body and using it as a host. It always reminds me of Alien, minus the gore, obviously. Great work from the main <laughs> cast. And although the effects are a little dodgy, this is very enjoyable. An eight from me. Mm, okay. Tom Turlow. Uh, said, after the Pertwee-esque stylings of Robot, the Tom Baker era starts properly here. Tom is on fire right from the start, and the Tom-Sarah-Jane-Harry combo is one of the best of all time. The mm. Ark in Space is great, creepy, atmospheric, and chilling. Yes, it can look a bit cheap, but this was Doctor Who in the 70s. It all looks cheap. Uh, like many others before me, I wonder if Ridley Scott was at home watching this, bearing in mind the similarities with his own sci-fi epic a few years later. One of the best stories of all time, 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Wow. Nice one, Tom. Uh, Owen, Doctor Who Holmes says, uh, and we're back in business. A classic story, tense, well-directed and full of iconic scenes. The Wirren are inventive and who doesn't love bubble wrap? Uh, Happy New Year. I'll start it off with 8 out of 10. Looking forward to seeing what you make of the end of Miracle Day. Hey, uh, someone's looking forward to it. There someone, we go. I was going to say, someone's actually looking forward to that. <laughs> looking forward to us finishing it, probably. <laughs> yeah. And um, lastly, uh, Edward Galuli says, probably my favourite story of all who, bubble wrap and all. The first episode mm. in particular is brilliant and the TARDIS team uh, explore, as the TARDIS team explore, Tom's big speech is fantastic. The Wirren are great and should be brought back. And he gives it a 10 out of 10. Mm, t- another 10, wow. Indeedy. Uh, Over on the Facebook, (laughs) the Facebook, Uh, let me just load these up because my browser has decided to close them all. That's useful. Uh, (laughs) Right, here we go. So we had Paul Graham says the set so good and used it twice. Oh, yeah, they reused it, didn't they, for another story? Uh, yeah, Revenge of the Cybermen. Oh, yeah, I forgot to say that. Such a good idea, actually. Yeah, if you're going to spend loads on the set let's um, have them go back to that station in a different time. That was was such a good idea. Yeah, Yeah, very cool. 
the laser guns on the arc use the same sounds as Larry Grayson's buzzer on the Generation game. No way, because I was thinking how cool those <laughs> gun sounds were. Paul Graham's uh, a wow. fountain of, of information. <laughs> Very cool. I did not know that. Yeah, he says, The floating were and looks slightly odd, but the story is magnificent, and the birth of the gothic horror era brings the most frightening storytelling for some time. Mm. Ten members of the fairer sex at the top of the totem pole out of ten. Oh, that's how, <laughs> Sarah, that's, that's that conversation that's a, that I yeah. thought about when... Uh, yes. With Sarah, he says about top of the totem pole, yeah. That's oh. it, yeah. Nice one, Paul. Thank you very much. Uh, one of our writers, Harry Marciniak, says, Yes, yes, yes. Love it. 10 out of 10. The sets are amazing. Superb atmosphere. A masterpiece if you can get past the overacting and bubble wrap. Winky <laughs> face. Very, very nice, Harry. Uh, our good buddy, Adam Moon says, It's very good. The homo sapien speech is a highlight of the story. Tom Baker continually knocking it out of the park. The production design is spectacular, as is the direction by Rodney Bennett. Supporting cast are good. This very much begins the Philip Hinchcliffe time on Who. One of my faves for sure. Overall, a well-paced space epic. Eight out of ten. And eight. Yeah, we didn't mention the director, but he does he does do a good job, I think. He hmm. talks on the DVD that he was very unfamiliar with sci-fi and wasn't sure how to shoot it, but I think he did quite a good job. I think so. Hmm. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, Toby Coleman says, A very good story. I first saw clips of this the day Liz Sladen died and it has stuck mm. with me ever since. The Weirin look creepy as the fully formed versions and the bubble wrap adds to the 70s charm. The first ep is the best with atmosphere. Happy New Year. Eight wraps out of bubble wraps. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And uh, Gordon Hudson, no review from him, just says, I'm sure I own this on Laserdisc. Am I dreaming this? <laughs> oh, wow. You may well have done, Gordon. Who knows? Amazing. Thank you very much, dear listener, for your reviews and your scores out of 10. Much appreciated, as always. Next week, buddy, we are back to Torchwood. Yes, but we are back to finish Torchwood (laughs) once and for all. Uh, So, yeah, we'll be back with the final episode of Miracle Day, and it's called The Bloodline. Um, Do you know... I'm looking forward mostly to getting this series done so that we (laughs) never have to watch it again. But I am very intrigued to see how this very strange messy storyline actually gets wrapped up because it better have a fairly decent conclusion after all this yeah i get the feeling it's not gonna (laughs) but we'll see well i think when we last picked these guys up they had found a cave with some wind whistling through the cave that was the uh, that was the miracle or something oh yeah Yeah. let's see what it delivers it better deliver something oh yeah for sure anyway Mm -hmm. i think that's going to wrap their dude for 370 all righty Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for coming back and listening to another episode. That was 370 and our review of the Ark in Space, 7.5 and an 8, and then some very good scores from our listeners. So thank you very much for that. Uh, next week, as Adam said, we are back to Torchwood with our very last episode ever to wrap up Miracle Day, which is 
the bloodline so get that watch get your dvds or blu-rays out or fire up iplayer as we'll be asking for your thoughts and your scores as always in the meantime make sure that you are following or subscribing to the podcast wherever you get your podcast that way you won't miss an episode when it lands every single friday you can listen for free on the website as well which is bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk uh, you can also check out all of the core reviews and articles for our writing team while you're on the website, plus link off to the socials, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook as we chat Doctor Who throughout the week. We also have a free Discord server, so hop in there and chat Doctor Who with other Who fans. And if you like the show, if this is your first time listening or you've not left a review yet, we'd love if you could spare 30 seconds to leave a review. You can do that on something like Apple Podcasts or Podchaser.com or something like that. Uh, that'd be awesome, so thank you very much to those who have already left reviews also don't remember don't forget <laughs> to check out and remember to check out Adam's channel over on YouTube but it is of course the it's Geek getting, Sandbag it's getting more convoluted every time you say it yeah the Geek <laughs> Sandbag go check out my YouTube channel also on Facebook Twitter and Instagram and the Gram and the yes. Gram love the Gram indeedy okay until next week take care of yourselves and remember and, and-